Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. They say flying is the safest way to travel. The odds of dying in a plane crash is 1 in 11 million, and 95% of accidents involving aircraft are non-fatal. Still, when a crash occurs, it's harrowing and oftentimes tragic. Lives are lost, and families are broken. We often wonder what we might do when faced with such a hopeless situation. Julianne Kopka didn't have to wonder, though. She lived it, and then some. Julianne's parents were German, but worked for the Museum of Natural History in Peru during the 1950s. Their daughter was born in Lima in 1954 and raised there until the late 60s, at which point she and her parents left Lima to live in the Amazon rainforest. Her parents were ornithologists and had moved to the rainforest to start a biological research station called Panguana. They spent the next several years there, studying the various native plants and animals. However, even though she was living in the jungle, Julianne still had to worry about her studies. If she hoped to graduate with a high school diploma, she would have to return to Lima to take her final exams. The family flew out in late December of 1971, and Julianne successfully completed her education, graduating on December 23rd. Her parents had hoped to leave once the exams were over, but Julianne insisted on staying a little longer so she could attend her graduation ceremony. Her mother agreed, but unfortunately that meant flying home on one of the busiest travel days of the year, Christmas Eve. All flights back to Panguana were sold out, all except one. It was with Lanza Airlines, which her father was skeptical of due to two previous crashes, one in 1966 and another that had occurred only the year before. With no other choices available, the Kopkas bought three tickets on Lanza Flight 508. The plane took off that night, despite a series of storms plaguing the area, with a total of 86 passengers and six crew members on board. But after half an hour, at an altitude of 21,000 feet, lightning struck. The aircraft broke apart, sending debris and pieces of the fuselage plummeting back toward Earth. When Julianne woke up on the ground, she was still strapped to her seat, She had suffered a broken collarbone, some cuts on her legs and arms, and she couldn't open her right eye. But despite her injuries, she had just become the sole survivor of Lance's third crash in less than a decade. To say Julianne had a unique upbringing would be an understatement. Her extracurricular activities didn't involve marching band or lacrosse. Instead, her parents had taught her how to survive in the wilderness on her own. Upon finding herself in the middle of the jungle with no help, her instincts kicked in immediately. She scoured the wreckage for her mother, but couldn't find her. Instead, Julianne discovered a bag of candy she'd brought on the plane and kept it for sustenance as she ventured deeper into the rainforest. Panguana was 30 miles away, and she couldn't signal for help due to the canopy of trees blocking her from view. Soon she came to a creek, which provided her with hydration and protection. Snakes and bugs made traveling over ground dangerous, but she'd be safe walking in the knee-high water. She also remembered something else her father had taught her. If she followed the creek far enough downstream, she would eventually find a village. So Julianne got moving. The periodic rain and intense heat wore her down. 
Days passed as she kept walking, hoping for any sign of civilization. Overhead, a king vulture circled, hoping she would give up and relinquish herself to the hungry ecosystem. Instead, Julianne pressed forward. Things got worse when maggots infested the gash in her arm. When she came to a boat tethered along the creek, she sucked the gas out of its tank to kill them. The next day, she was found in the boat by local fishermen, who helped her to the village where she was able to recover. The day after that, a pilot from the village flew her to the city of Pukapa, where her father's body had been taken. She eventually found her mother, who had also miraculously survived the crash, but her injuries proved too severe, and she had died before help was able to reach her. In total, 91 souls were lost in the accident. Kopka's story inspired several films, including a 1974 documentary titled Wings of Hope, directed by renowned filmmaker Werner Herzog. Interestingly enough, Herzog almost wasn't around to make the film. You see, a few years earlier, he was out scouting for filming locations for an upcoming project. When a change in his production schedule popped up, he was forced to cancel his flight home. And what flight was it? Oh, I think you know the answer to that question. The same one Julianne Kopka was on. Lansa, Flight 508. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier. And these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Being a trendsetter isn't easy. The challenge is in getting people to rethink their own ways. Nobody likes change, after all, but sometimes it's hard to argue with the results. Embracing the new might be hard, but not doing so could leave you all wet. Take Jonas Hanway, born in Portsmouth, England in 1712 and raised in London. His father made his living at sea, providing sailors with food and drink, so it stood to reason that his son might follow suit. And although Hanway didn't go into the food service, he did end up on the water, as a merchant, traveling all over Europe and the Middle East. After decades of dealing with illness and piracy, though, Hanway returned to London around 1750 with a lot of experience and quite the reputation. He was known as a bore, and apparently hated tea so much that he wrote an essay in which he argued how its introduction to Britain would ruin the country. But despite his strong and sometimes misguided views, he also wanted to make his city a better place. For example, he fought to have its streets paved. Hanway had also become a philanthropist while away. Upon his return, he founded the first charity for British seafarers, known as the Marine Society. The organization recruited and trained young men for a life at sea, which would be sorely needed some years later at the start of the Seven Years' War. 
England's main enemy during the conflict was France, which Hanway had been to many times over the years. During his visits there, he'd picked up a habit he'd seen carried out daily on the streets of Paris. Everyone was carrying a newfangled contraption with them wherever they went. The folding umbrella. In the pantheon of great inventions, few stand out quite like the simple umbrella. But the canopies of hundreds or even thousands of years ago did not collapse the way ours do today. The wooden ribs that gave them their shape were often stationary. It wasn't until 1710 when a Paris shopkeeper named Jean Marius introduced Europe to the first umbrella that could be opened and closed at will. Adoption of the folding umbrella was quick, especially after a prominent French aristocrat purchased one and then encouraged her inner circle to buy them as well. From there, umbrellas became a common sight in Paris, shielding men and women from intense sunlight as well as the occasional downpour. Jonas Hanway loved the idea of an easy-to-use, portable method for keeping himself cool and dry. And so upon his return to London, he began carrying one with him whenever he left his home. And he was laughed at. You see, at the time, umbrellas were mainly used by women, and Hanway's use of one did not endear him to any of his more masculine friends. They called him names and cast pointed whispers in his direction. Cabbies also hated him, but not because he looked foolish or effeminate. Handsome cabs or horse-drawn carriages on two wheels featured coverings that shielded riders from the rain, a handy thing to have if you needed to get somewhere fast and you didn't want to ruin your nice clothes. Cabbies often saw a boom in business on rainier days. The umbrella, however, made handsome cabs unnecessary. Drivers got worried after seeing Hanway out and about with his own personal canopy. If the trend caught on, it would only be a matter of time before the cabs were rendered obsolete. To ensure their job security, cabbies made a point to insult Hanway whenever they saw him, going so far as to hurl garbage or rotten fruit in his direction. Anything to make him look and feel self-conscious about walking around with an umbrella. When that didn't work, one cab driver attempted to run him down in the street with his carriage. Unafraid, Jonas Hanway turned around and beat the cabbie instead. With his umbrella, of course. Eventually, the whispers and the insults stopped. People began to notice how dry his clothes stayed beneath the domed cover. As more Londoners bought their own umbrellas to shield themselves from the rain, the stigma surrounding their use dissipated. Cab drivers saw the writing on the wall, too. There just wasn't enough rotten fruit in England to get their former customers to stop using umbrellas. A new umbrella factory opened in 1786, several months after Hanway's death. It advertised a spring-loaded model for easy opening and closing, and it became a hit. Not only had Jonas Hanway changed his city for the better, you might say he'd done it, without letting anyone else rain on his parade. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show and you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious.